Welcome to the Brianna Morello Show. And we've got uh, quite the interesting show lined up for you today. But first, I wanted to start off with giving you some insight. As a news producer, I am constantly reaching out to politicians, companies, uh, an array of people just trying to ask them questions. And most of the time, it's questions that they don't want to answer. And that's what makes me a really good journalist, right? Um, having uncomfortable conversations with people who don't want to answer your questions. And you got to hold them accountable. And I've been doing that in Florida, and I want to kind of bring some attention to that here because um, a topic that I've told you that I'm quite passionate about, and that's RJ Sixers, uh, those who are currently or have been incarcerated regarding their um, participation, whether they were physically there in the Capitol on January 6th, they were around the Capitol on January 6th, or for, for some j Sixers, they were sending text messages that the DOJ didn't like, and so they were persecuted for that. Uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about. But as somebody who lives in the state of Florida, I've been widely disappointed in our politicians, and that's mainly because um, we have a embarrassing amount of Floridians who are being prosecuted and what I'm saying embarrassing, I'm not saying that I'm embarrassed of them. I'm embarrassed of our politicians who haven't really been addressing the issue. And so I'm not going to take an aggressive stance here. Uh, I don't want to attack these people because I get it. They probably are fearful of what the repercussions of sticking up for some of these individuals may be politically. But uh, our country has never been tested like this before. And I think it's really important for for Florida politicians to push back on this issue. And let me just explain why. Uh, I've kind of combed you guys through the details of certain J6 cases, and a lot of them are here based in Florida. We've had people like J.D. Rivera, who's an individual who's a vet veteran, by the way, who was just simply being a videographer on J6 and was in the Capitol filming, and he wasn't there to partake in the, in the activities. He was there to film, uh, was sentenced to do, I believe it was six months in prison, just for physically walking into the Capitol with the protesters and filming it. Now, listen, if all media outlets were held accountable for this and all videographers were charged, that would be one thing. But he specifically was was targeted by the Department of Justice and they tried to put him in financial ruin. Still to this day, he does not have his equipment, by the way, after he's serving his time in jail, he still does not have his video equipment and he's not been able to do his work that he does to make a living for his family. And it's quite disappointing, but it's not just J.D. Rivera. It's, it's happening all across the state of Florida. Uh, we saw that with you know, someone who I've become very close with, Angel Harrelson, uh, her husband, Ken Harrelson, another individual who was prosecuted by the Department of Justice unfairly. Uh, we now have proof, thanks to Steve Baker, like I described in our last episode, that the Department of Justice put two witnesses on the stand that they knew were lying. And um, we're soon going to see the video evidence to back those claims. Uh, and, and that also includes other people um, like Kelly Meggs. Kelly Meggs, another Floridian who is also on trial with Ken Harrelson, was also targeted by Department of Justice and also was the victim of the DOJ's lying uh, witnesses. And they're not alone. The list goes on and on and on. Um, but it's not just that. It's the constitutional violations that seem to go unanswered in the state of Florida. And it's something that's really um, pulled at my heartstrings because, number one, I love our constitution. I think it's what makes us uh, the unique and amazing country that we are. I'm quite proud, proudful of my country, regardless of the tough, turbulent times that we're currently in. But um, if you don't defend the Constitution, then we don't have a Constitution. And so I am disappointed here in Florida because we're not defending the Constitution. Now, as I sift through these cases and I talk to the families and I talk to these defendants, there's countless of violations going on right now. 
We could simply start with the right to a speedy trial. Many of these individuals are sitting in prison right now awaiting their trials, even though they're nonviolent and this is their first criminal offenses. But judges have kept them in prison and they have not had their trial yet. And we're talking, I mean, this has been what we're on, on three years now. Uh, so that's that's one aspect that you could also hit that with. You could also discuss the fact that they don't have an impartial jury. Uh, a lot of these people are being, not even all of them are being heard in D.C. And as many of you guys know, D.C. is a liberal cesspool. And so, no, you don't have a fair shot if you're an American who just simply loves this country at having a fair trial in D.C. Because if you know anything about Washington, D.C., you know it's a bunch of bitter liberals who hate this country. And so before the evidence is even put on trial, you've already been convicted in these people's eyes. And so, yes, you do not stand a, a chance of ever being declared innocent in these trials because you've already been convicted. Uh, there's also other egregious behavior that's been going on with the DOJ, uh, the DOJ has been holding a lot of discovery from from these J6ers, uh, and they don't get it at all. Uh, like I cited earlier, that that footage that Steve Baker has obtained and can't release until we get a, a Speaker of the House elected, um, that evidence wasn't given to the Oath Keepers' attorneys. And so it's quite interesting because Steve Baker only discovered this when he heard a little bit of the back and forth going on between uh, Judge uh, uh, Meta and uh, the DOJ trying to protect the the facts that they have altered. And so, and by alter, that's me, that's me putting it nicely. Um, so when you, when you look at all of this and you go, well, they're not even getting discovery uh, and they're not even getting evidence in a timely manner. A lot of these also J6ers, what I should also mention, are getting things like, thank you very much, Colton. So that is actually the article from Steve Baker. Uh, it's a great piece. I highly recommend it. Everyone go look at it if you haven't read it yet. It's on the blaze. It's incredible. It's a complete bombshell, and it destroys the DOJ's credibility. As many of you already probably have just, like, don't ha don't really take it seriously. It really just it destroys their entire narrative. But most importantly, right now, what we're seeing we're seeing these J6ers when they're going to trial within 24 hours of their trial beginning, uh, they're getting evidence that's crucial to their case. Whether it's footage, whether it's last minute witnesses being dumped onto their case. Uh, and it's being done so so the attorneys can't prepare. So they're they're completely caught off guard. And nothing's and the judges are allowed it to happen. They're not stepping, they're not stepping in and saying, no, that's that's outrageous. You can't do something like that. And it's the list goes on and on. Um there's one case here in Florida that really needs uh, everyone's attention because if it could happen to him, it could happen to any of us, and it will happen to all of us. Uh, it's a man named Jeremy Brown. Jeremy Brown was a well-credited, awarded veteran. He has fought proudly for this nation, and he's a man who who uh, takes great pride in being an American. Um, I've had the honor of speaking to Jeremy because we were we had him on a couple of times for the Absolute Truth at Mel Robinson, and I've spoken to him on the phone. I've listened to him argue um, his case in, in in front of a judge, and. It, he's beyond intelligent. Uh, if if half the Americans in our country could be as bright as this man, we would be in a lot. Well, we'd be in a significantly better place. Um, but the part of Jeremy's story that really pulls my heartstrings is Jeremy was just an individual who joined the Oath Keepers because he wanted to renew his oath that he kept to the country, and um, being a part of the Oath Keepers meant that he was now going to be on the um, I guess the FBI's radar. And um, so for Jeremy, prior to January 6th, he wasn't expecting it, but he received a knock at his door from the FBI. And we actually have that footage, right? So he has the surveillance footage of the FBI sending two agents to his home in Florida. And reminder, this is before January 6th. 
Now, the reason why I say this is so egregious is because they were knocking on his door, allegedly, to make him an informant before January 6th. They saw his post on social media and they explained it to him and they thought that he could become an asset for the FBI. And don't take my word for it. Uh, Jeremy did release the audio and he only released the audio after he heard testimony being given by Christopher Ray, where he lied in front of Congress and pretty much tried to downplay the role of the FBI on January 6th and what kind of informants or assets they had there that day. And so Jeremy knew that was a load of garbage. And so he released this footage and he released the audio. Uh, let's take a listen to the audio and, we'll, and I'll tell you what happened to him after this. Guys, how are you? Well, I'm normally in bed by now, but... Uh, yeah, oh, you work at night? No, no, I'm just a night owl. What's going on, guys? Let's see, buddy. I'm Brett. This is Paul. All right, well, you don't mind if I pull out my recorder, do you? What do you guys do? All right. I don't want to get general funded. <laughs> okay. We're with Homeland Security, but we work on um, JCPF with FBI. Okay. I just so, noticed that. Yeah. So... It's no big deal. We decided to come out. We I've worked with JTTF before, so I'm okay. familiar. Um, you might in the future. So see, there you have it. Well, you might in the future. You might in the future, too, as you heard Jeremy saying. You might in the future, too. So that's that's the FBI trying to recruit him, allegedly, of course. We'll throw that out there, uh, to come and work with them. And what they were objectively looking to do is is to have him work for them for, for January 6th and become an informant is what it sounds like. And the recordings go on and on. Um, if you want to listen to the entirety of it, you can head over to jeremybrowndefense.com. That's where it is. Um, but after Jeremy released that audio and the footage, he suddenly became uh, a target for the federal government. And they randomly charged him, even though he didn't enter the Capitol. They charged him with a couple of misdemeanors, and it was all for trespassing, even though, once again, he did not go into the Capitol. Actually, that day... Uh, it's on film, so we have the evidence, and it's very clear, so we know it's him. Uh, Jeremy actually rescued a woman who was going to be trampled by the police line um, guarding the Capitol, and so he did go in there and sweep in there and grab um, an elderly woman and pull her away so she wasn't trampled by the police. And so we have that evidence, right? That's that's the closest he got to the Capitol that day. Uh, but after releasing that audio and that video, he became a target to the federal government. They now charged him and somehow for misdemeanor offense, offenses, uh, which they normally don't do. If you ever ask anyone in law enforcement, they'll tell you if you ask them like, hey, have you ever like swatted a home regarding a trespassing charge? And at best, they'll tell you that it's like a like a bench ticket. It's nothing. It's nothing serious. But the response that Jeremy Brown got was a search warrant executed on his home. And the agency claimed that they found things that he wasn't supposed to have in his home um, and Sadly, he sits in a jail cell. I believe he's been sentenced to eight years in prison, if I'm if I'm right, um, just just for that alone, for what they found in his home. So they claim that there were guns, grenades, and um, he was convicted on those, but he wasn't convicted on the documents they said that he had that he wasn't supposed to have in his home. Um, Jeremy strongly um, disputes that, and um, based on evidence here that they presented at court, uh, there's the, the hair that they found on the grenades doesn't match anyone in his home. Um, he says repeatedly that he wouldn't even bring a grenade to his home. Um, so it doesn't seem to make sense. And as many of you know, by the way, the FBI doesn't wear body cam video, nor do they allow, um, surveillance footage. So if you have a, if you have like a door camera or if you have, uh, anything on your ceilings, uh, they'll actually, they're black taped or completely destroy it. So you can't film them while they're in your home. So 
any evidence that Jeremy would have potentially had to prove that they might have uh, planted anything on him. Unfortunately, he can't present because he doesn't have it because they, they don't allow that. So the reason why I bring up Jeremy's case is for several reasons. Number one, Florida politicians, I've reached out to several. I've reached out to the governor's office. And this isn't meant to be aggressive, by the way. Um, I, I get it. Maybe they just don't know the facts. That there's a lot going on in the world. They might have not followed it. But we have Governor DeSantis' office. I've reached out at least three or four times to his office. I've reached out to uh, our attorney general, Ashley Moody. I've also reached out to members of Congress, Matt Gates, um, Congressman Stubbe. All these people I've reached out to um, across the state of Florida, uh, Byron Donald as well. And I just don't get responses back from any of them. And my argument is this, right? I understand that congressional numbers, you really don't have much of an influence in it, yet you could sit there and say, you know, we want surveillance footage. You could try to argue that while you're in Congress. Uh, but for individuals like Ashley Moody, and I highly respect her. I enjoyed working with her office and her team when I was over at Fox because um, they were always somebody who was aggressive when it came time to push back against drugs. They're extremely passionate about fentanyl and, and fighting up against that. So I highly respect them. But I feel like this is a huge blind spot, right? We have neglected Floridians. We have left them to hang out and dry. We are the uh, we have the most J6 defendants in the entire country. And we're watching the DOJ just completely violate every constitutional right that these individuals have. And that to me is unacceptable. So ideally, I would like our attorney general to open up an investigation and look into these claims, look into whether or not their constitutional rights have been violated. And, and we've seen this being done in, in states like Missouri, for example. Uh, Missouri, their attorney general, saw free speech being violated by the Biden regime. And what did they do? Well, they responded by filing a lawsuit against the Biden regime. And well, they're doing great in court right now. The Supreme Court's even going to hear some of their case and it's it's going extremely far, but it lets the Biden regime know that there's boundaries and you have to violate, you have to, sorry, you have to respect our constitution. And so here's my call to action. I would strongly recommend Floridians politely giving Ashley Moody's office a call and respectfully asking them to open an investigation into how Floridians are being treated by the Department of Justice, J6ers. It's critical. If we don't stop it now, it will never stop. It will never stop. They keep pushing it and they see how far we can take this to. They're going to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And so if we don't have state attorney generals, Republican state attorney generals holding the line, holding them accountable, this will never end. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. <laughs> We are here to defend democracy. The misinformation poses a threat to our nation's health. Climate change is immersed. Democratic socialism. Codified. Everyone's right to choose. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. Or call 878-PATRIOT.
Well, well, let's be honest, right? Under Joe Biden, we've had plenty of economic woes. Woes! And uncertainties. Like many of you, I was getting a little nervous. So I turned to my dad for some advice. He's great at investing his money. He said, there's only one thing to do, and that's to invest in gold and silver. I've never done it before. So I called our friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott. And I don't regret it at all because, let me tell you guys, he gave me all the details I needed. So if you're like me and you're just trying to get your foot in the door and trying to figure out what's the best way to invest your funds, I highly recommend and right now, you go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash Brianna. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Brianna. Or call 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. So as many of you already know, I am a former New Yorker, and I moved to the state of Florida back in 2019. And it wasn't easy for me to do it. I've grown up in New York. I went to college in New York. I spent my whole life in New York. Um, but it was very easy to do when I saw that New York was becoming a cesspool. Um, sadly enough, when I was working at Fox, I had a couple experiences that really kind of uh, rubbed me the wrong way. I never really took public transportation. I tried to avoid it. I would actually drive from Long Island every day to New York City, find parking, like free street parking, which never happens. Um, and it was very expensive because you pay tolls, gas, all this craziness. And I did it to avoid public transportation, like I said, because it was just so unsafe. And it was unsafe back then. But back in like 2017, 2018, we didn't know it was on the horizon. Uh, even though it was unsafe, it wasn't at its peak. Um, but thanks to New York Democrats, they helped push that along. They did so back in the 2019 state budget. They snuck a thing called criminal justice reform into the budget. Now, it sounds good, right? It's Sounds like there were some issues that needed to be reformed within our criminal justice system. And I'd argue, yes, there are some for sure. But it was horrendous because it was pretty much disguised as a criminal bill of rights. Uh, it gave criminals more rights than their victims. And the state of New York tried disguising it, pretending like it was going to be great. And obviously, we know it wasn't. Uh, and local media outlets, media outlets like Cablevision, for an example, who who uh, back where when I was living in Long Island, they they had a news station called News Twelve. Um, instead of covering it as what it should have been covered, which was uh, they were no longer going to be arresting individuals um, and holding them in front of a judge on charges like possession of child pornography, um, search certain sexual battery charges, uh, they were instead going to be given a ticket. And we're going to say, we'll see you in court. And you're going to hope and pray that they came back to court. Um, as many of you know, criminals really aren't the most trustworthy uh, individuals. And that's why you implement things like cash bail and you put them in front of a judge for a judge to decide and use their own discretion. But the state of New York didn't want to do that. And so long story short, uh, outlets like News 12 lied to their audience and, and made the budget seem like it was just about banning plastic bags. And they completely blindsided New Yorkers by leaving out the important details. And I only found out when I started reading through the legislation and I found out who, how horrendous it was. I had a couple of run-ins um, while this was all about to become implemented. One of those run-ins was, uh, as I told you, I, I drive into New York and would park my car about 14 blocks away from Fox News at the time because parking nearby was just completely expensive and it wasn't worth it. So I'd have to do the walk every day. Um, and one day I came back to my car and uh, this is when I reached my breaking point, knew I had to leave. And there was an individual, and without being too vile, um, you can just assume that he had his pants down to his waist. 
and he was doing a vile gesture uh, right by my car. And I called the police and I was, wasn't was sure if I should at the time run to my car and get into the vehicle um, or if I should wait for police to arrive to make sure that he doesn't try to sexually assault me because he was in a, in a stance where he could do so. And uh, I called the NYPD and I was pretty much told uh, there's nothing we could do. By the time we get there, he'll probably be gone. And I was left to fend for myself. And luckily, I had I know exactly what New York's about. Um, you get a whole bunch of just bad actors. And so I was armed, but not with a gun, obviously, um, and was able to, if I needed to, defend myself. But self-defense in New York is completely banned. And when you try to defend yourself, as we've seen previously, you are prosecuted by the Department of Justice, sorry, the uh, local prosecutors, and and they don't like that. And so um, it just, it was vile story after vile story. And it was my breaking point as to why I left. But there's somebody who, who she has an incredible story. She's a former congressional candidate. Uh, she's someone who I turn to often when I need just a voice of reason. Uh, whenever there's a crazy New York story, I kind of got to chat it up with her because she still lives in New York. And, and she had uh, a story that is just gut-wrenching. It's horrific. But it's even worse than what I just described. And um, I just wanted to welcome her into the show. And we want to talk about her story because it's something that we need to discuss. Uh, so I'd like to welcome congressional, former congressional candidate Liz Joy to the show. Good friend of mine. Liz, thank you for being here. Um, it's great. Gosh. Thank you, Liz. Congratulations gosh. on your show. Thank you. I, I, you know, you are one of my biggest supporters. You have encouraged this. And so I'm so blessed to have you in my life and so thankful for you. Um, Liz, we've talked about this and every time you and I speak about this story, about this, this assault, this attempted murder that you witnessed, um, it's just gut wrenching. And I think it highlights the, the craziness in New York as a whole, um, how just lawless it is and how reckless it can be. And I kind of want you to walk our audience through your story. You were sitting in a nail salon, getting your nails done. When uh, and this was back in 2018, I believe, is that correct? Yeah, August of 2018. Yeah, yeah, and there was a uh, your manicurist was doing your nails, and um, her ex husband came into the store and committed a horrific act. I'll let you detail how it happened since you were there firsthand, and I'll let you take it away with those details. Yeah, that it was. Um, it was in August of 2018, and it was a just an afternoon. Uh, I had been going to uh, this salon, which is I want to tell people too. This is a it's a really nice place. It's in a good part of uh, town. Um, it's a spa as well, so it's a very you know it's a a nice spa. Um, and uh, was in there getting my nails done. I was in the manicure side. There's a manicure side, and then there's on the I know a salon side, and a spa side. You know a spa part in the in the back. And um, I was the only person in the manicure room with. Um, uh, the woman that I was with that was doing my nails who did them regularly. And, uh, about 30 minutes into our appointment, um, you know, the room that we were in faces the street. So it's all, it was all glass and it faces route five in colony, New York, which is where we were. It's just outside of the capital, Albany, uh, about 10 minutes outside of Albany. And um, a man walked across the, you know, by the window and came in the front door and walked behind my chair and pulled out uh, a knife and began immediately just pulled 
uh, Denise is her name out of the chair by the top of her head. Um, he had brass knuckles and he plunged the knife right into her while screaming obscenities at her. Um, I, you know, you can't imagine that those things are happening when, you know, it happens in a very split second. So you really don't even understand what is happening when it's happening. Um, but I immediately jumped out of the chair uh, and, you know, yelled, call 911 to the salon side and uh, immediately looked quickly around to find something that I could to be able to run back in and defend her with. Um, I was out of the room for maybe seven seconds. Uh, it was very quick that I that I saw what was a wrought iron mannequin at the time, you know, like a dress form mannequin that you'd put scarves on. You know, you've seen them when you walk in somewhere where there's scarves or shirts or anything like that, but it was the iron kind, uh, full dress form. And I picked it up and used it really, honestly, like a javelin um, and ran to him and began to beat him. Um, she was already on the floor. He had plunged the knife into her. Um, and then he turned the attack on me, obviously, because I uh, was preventing him from getting to her. Um, I did not know who this person was. I had no concept how they knew each other. Um, but uh, he would swing the knife at me. I would hit him with uh, the mannequin. He would swing the knife at me again. Um, and we fought uh for a good, I would say a good eight minutes, it was a very violent fight. Um, and uh, the mannequin broke in half uh, at one point. Um, and so I, you know, had the pointy end and uh, picked it up, you know, off of the floor. There was, everything was all over the floor. You know, the barbicide jar had shattered all over the floor, the nail polishes, the there was, um, unfortunate, very sadly, there was a lot of blood all over the floor. I didn't realize it at the time because things were moving so fast that he had sliced her open 13 inches across her abdomen and her intestines were um, out. And um, so there was a lot of a lot of blood that we were in fighting in sliding in everything and uh it was a very gruesome very gruesome scene he um uh at one point he did was able to push me he never got me with the knife but he did push so hard against the mannequin that i fell backwards and hit the wall um and then had a hard time getting back up again because everything was so slippery and i was in dress shoes um but i did was able to scramble up and um, and then we began shoving each other with the table, the manicure table, and he was ramming it into my legs and I was ramming it into his legs. Um, at that point, uh, one of the owners of the salon came through uh, into the room and called out his name. And she yelled when she yelled his name, he looked at her and he said, you know, well, I loved her and. Uh, as soon as he engaged with her, I ran into the street and flagged down, um, uh, you know, a, a pass of somebody that was passing by. And just so happened that a very large man in a pickup truck um, pulled into the parking lot, you know, as I was flagging, you know, flagging, trying to flag down some cars. He pulled right in and he we ended up talking later and uh, he said, I had no idea what you were saying because his window was closed, but I knew that you were in trouble. 
and he ran into the salon and he immediately put um, this man in a chokehold and that's when he finally dropped the knife and the brass knuckles. Um, my friend, and actually I was with her today, by the way, we go to, now we do the same appointment. She has made a full recovery. She did have two life-saving trauma surgeries at Albany Medical Center. Uh, yeah, that's us right there. Um, and she's become a very dear friend. Um, she was cut open 13 inches across her groin. She also had uh, surgery on her shoulder where he made some deep cuts. Um, and it was a very harrowing experience. This was in 2018, uh, so it was before the bail reform, and he did get 25 years in a maximum security prison. Um, however, sadly for so many other New Yorkers who are experiencing stabbings, being pushed in front of subways, um, you know, being broken into uh, violated rapes, they, they are not going to jail. They aren't. Yeah. And they're not being held in jail and they're returning to the scene of the crime. And it is leaving victims in a perpetual, perpetual state of terror. And it is very, uh, what the legislators did here in New York was um, despicable by passing this legislation. They now have proof of what they have done as they have watched New York spiral and there are no consequences for any criminals and they still haven't fixed it. They've still done nothing. They've done nothing. There's, there's two points that I wanna make too, right? So sadly in the state of New York, we have politicians who are uh, empathetic to um, individuals, murderers and attempted murderers. And so they feel like as they get older that they should they should maybe lessen their sentencing, uh, give them some type of uh, elderly release. And and uh, unfortunately for, for your friend who's the victim in this crime, um, that's something that's going to probably be, be over her head for quite some time that he might get released because if, if these Democrats get their way, uh, I know that there's several of them who do advocate for it regularly. Um, but the interesting part in this, when I talk to members of law enforcement in the state of New York, they're always talking about criminal justice reform. And um, even in like cases of like women who are, um, let's say an example, are on the subway and a man um, rubs his groin on them and mm -hmm. um, that individual wants to file charges. Um, when they, the police now have to, they don't have to, but they do give them warning. Criminal justice reform is the, the sickest part about it is criminal justice reform actually allow the defense to get the contact information of the victims. So let's say a stranger Correct. has assaulted you. There were, yeah, there were, there were ways for you to kind of hide um, so that um, if you are sexually assaulted or some, someone's threatening you, uh, you are able to hide and they don't have your contact information. But now because of New York Democrats, they actually hand over your contact information, your phone number, your address, all those details. And um, I remember one police officer telling me that like, you have to answer the phone if their attorney is calling you. Um, you can't ignore those calls. Um, you could have an attorney respond to them, but you can't ignore the other side. And it's disturbing because victims of crimes are are being told, number one, if you don't want to become a victim, you can't carry in New York. And that's another great example. We have uh, your attorney general, Tish James, who has been horrendous for gun right owners. Uh, she claims to be a feminist, and yet she sits there and hinders the rights of uh, law-abiding citizens who want to carry weapons and want to be able to defend themselves, God forbid, if if an incident like that does occur. And she's not a fan of it at all. So she stops that. She prevents that from happening. 
Um, and then they, they turn around and they, and they hand over your contact information if you're a victim of a crime. And when this initially was happening, I thought it was happening. Why anyone like it was Governor Andrew Cuomo at the time who signed this and put this through, pushed this through. Um, I thought they were in trying to intentionally, um, like kind of like blacklist anyone from reporting any crimes and, and kind of make them feel like you can't report a crime because if you do, the suspect will come after you. And then they could come around and say, well, listen, this after people decide not to file charges because they're too afraid for their lives, you could say, oh, listen, uh, crime went down. Violent crime went down since we pushed through criminal justice reform. And they were going to use that to push across the nation. But it didn't happen. I'd probably argue that crime rates are probably even higher than what you're seeing right now in the state of New York. Um, but regardless, they're still yes. pushing it all across the, the country. We just saw California, by example, uh, Los Angeles. They just eliminated cash bail in Los Angeles when they're already seeing uh, spikes in crime throughout it. I mean, robberies, all these violent crimes. Um, so it's quite interesting. Liz, what can be done on the state level right now to prevent DV cases, um, releasing these individuals? Like, what do you want to see from your state lawmakers right now? You're talking about the ones that are already in prison. So somebody somebody like Thomas Caulfield, who's in there serving a sentence. And um, to your point, they the Democrats are pushing for anybody over the age of 55 um, once they hit that or they've hit half their sentence to be able to be released. So um, he is there at 55 years old, by the way, and um, and he could get out as soon as nine years. Um, and think, keep in mind, he went in in 2018. So it is a very real um, it is a very real scenario that he could be out. And um, and we all know that orders of protection don't work. I have a 56-year-long order of protection, standing order of protection, um, again, you know, that um, that the judge did give to me, um, that Thomas Caulfield can't come in any, uh, you know, any distance of me. Um, but very clearly, he violated an order of protection to get to uh, his wife at the time in the salon. There already was an order of protection in place. So what I would say is, um, I have to tell you right now, I don't see any progress at all being made in New York in any way, shape or form on, um, on the side of the victims. That is just something that's not happening. And on top of that, we have Governor Hochul now who has come down very hard on legal firearms owners and their ability to try to protect themselves. I personally believe that the only way to protect yourself is by by pushing back and enforcing um, the, the rights that we have in our federal constitution and in our state constitutions, um, you know, because we have both. And these are rights that cannot be taken away from us. And I believe that we are, are in a time right now in New York and frankly, uh, in many areas of our country where we are the ones, the, the citizens are the ones that are going to have to enforce it. Um, and and that is where I think that we are right now in New York, because crime is so rampant in every way. I live in Schenectady, New York, and I will tell you that is listed as one of the top 10 most dangerous cities now in New York, along with Albany, which is also just, uh, you know, a few minutes from me. So um, we're, we're facing, you know, very real scenarios. That's outside of, of Manhattan, outside of Rochester, which is, which is awful as well. 
And yeah. so um, I think that it's the citizens. There's 19 million New Yorkers. And, um, you know, our legislators have emptied our jails. They're closing our prisons. They're releasing people out onto the streets. And there is no, uh, there are no consequences for criminals. And it's not, I believe, until the citizens start literally fighting back that I think that we're going to see progress. Yeah, yeah. Liz, I hope for your sake and my family's sake and everyone who's still in New York that people do start pushing back and that we do see something happen because, um, I mean, we're talking 2018 wow. stories. I, I can't even imagine what's going on right now for those who still have to work in the city. I, I always say, you know, even though I, I have my, uh, my uh, disappointments and disagreements with Fox regarding the vaccine mandates, uh, I, I do say I made it out pretty well, though, because I... I don't know how I would have made it if I had to work in the city still. Um, I don't think it was, it's a safe place for anyone to be. I know my whole family is pulled out of New York City. Um, and there's no, uh, even in Lo Long Island and upstate New York, like you just described, there's really no safe place anymore in the state. The whole state is, is, is turning, sadly, into a lawless cesspool. And um, I, I just don't know when it's going to end, Liz. I think it's going to take the citizens standing up and fighting back in all areas of the country where things like this are happening. I mean, I really do think that's where we, we're at. And, you know, we look at our border, Brianna, we look at the things that are, we know that there's people that have come across. We know that, you know, we're looking at what's happening in the Middle East right now. We're looking at the rioting and, you know, things that just happened, you know, in, in Brooklyn over the weekend. And I just think that we are in a time where we are going to have to stand up for ourselves because certainly uh, legislators uh, right now are not doing that for the people. They're not representing the people. They're representing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But thankfully, in the state of New York, they have great people like you who are still there. And Liz, one of your, your Instagram is my favorite one to follow because you you follow a whole bunch of different types of laws that are passing or making their way through the state, whether it's crime related or whether it's um, election fraud stuff that you want to flag for New Yorkers. So I highly recommend uh, all of our viewers head over to your Instagram page. Give you a follow. Joy for New York is where you can find her or NY, I should say. Uh, so Joy for NY. Um, you are quite insightful and, um, I'm just so proud to call you my friend. Cause that's an incredible story and not many people sadly would get involved. They'd run away. Um, but you are a fearless mom, grandma, and, um, an amazing friend. And I'm just so thankful to know you and, um, would love to thank you for, for joining us today and sharing the story. It's really incredible. Well, I was honored to be here. Thank you so much for asking me and I hope I get to see you in person soon. Yes. Yes. We'll make it happen when you come to Florida though next time. Not not going up to New York anytime soon. <laughs> I'll be I'll be there in November, so I will call you. <laughs> All right, it's a day. Thank you, Liz. I appreciate it. Well, well, let's be honest, right? Under Joe Biden, we've had plenty of economic woes Whoa! and uncertainties. Like many of you, I was getting a little nervous, so I turned to my dad for some advice. He's great at investing his money. He said, there's only one thing to do, and that's to invest in gold and silver. I've never done it before, so I called our friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott. And I don't regret it at all because, let me tell you guys, he gave me all the details I needed. So if you're like me and you're just trying to get your foot in the door and trying to figure out what's the best way to invest your funds, I highly recommend and right now, you go to kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. That's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. Or call 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. 
For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We are here to defend democracy. The misinformation poses a threat to our nation's health. Climate change is immersed. Democratic socialism. Codified. Women's right to choose. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. Or call 878-PATRIOT. So I saw a really interesting article in the New York Post this week, and I wanted to bring it to your attention because right now I know most of you are probably looking to to purchase a home or you're like trying to put your, your toe in the water a little bit to test it out to see maybe if it's the right option for you. And right now, obviously, under Joe Biden, it's not looking too good for any of us. And this int- this article I found super interesting. So right now, it's pretty much saying that the markets are so out of control based on, you know, the, the interest rates going on right now, we're almost at 8%. And for some reason, um, that is pushing a lot of people out of the market. So this article pretty much has the average monthly mortgage payment is a whopping 52% higher than the average monthly rent on a house or an apartment, a ratio that hasn't been seen since 2008, which is the housing crisis, obviously, as many of you know. And uh, I'm in the market looking right now for a nice little condo, uh, my first purchase. And I'm a little disappointed that I can't find it. It's my first time buying. Just was so excited because I paid off all my student loans because the government wasn't going to pay them for me, unfortunately. And now I'm in this like predicament. Like, do I buy now? Do I hold off and wait another year? So I've got a lot of questions, and I'm sure you guys do too. So I'm going to bring in uh, my expert, my financial expert, Dr. Kirk Elliott. He joins us now. Dr. Elliott, thank you for being here. Um, I know a lot of Americans are a little stressed out right now when they're looking at the housing market based on the rates. Uh, We're at about 8% now. And for people like me, that's just not feasible. Uh, This part of the article, which I thought was pretty interesting, somebody who's looking right now at 8% rates, uh, if you're looking for a 30-year mortgage and you're about in the range of $410,000 for a home right now, um, you're going to be paying so much more money. So you're going to get paying, even if you put 10% down, you're going to be paying more than 60% of what you would have paid in your mortgage payments back in 2020. I mean, that seems a little absurd. What's your take on it right now? It is. I mean, that is absurd. First, I have to ask you a quick little question. So what makes you so special that the government wouldn't pay off your loan when they're paying off everybody else's? I know. I know. It's discrimination. Yeah. (laughs) What gives? Um, No. So so the housing market, I mean, you, you are stuck in this time in history where the pendulum is shifting, right? So we've had from 1983 until about 11 months ago, interest rates have been coming down um, artificially most of the time because ever since 2009, we had basically a zero interest rate policy. It's called ZERP, where, where they wanted to artificially keep rates really low to try to stimulate the economy to get us out of that great recession, right? So, so now markets are left to their own devices, right? And, and it's like, we can't afford this. We can't keep affording this cheap money um, and so we've printed so much 
You know, we've printed so much money. The money supply is going through the roof. Now the rest of the world views the U.S. dollar kind of like monopoly money, right? It's like what they keep printing. And and let's say that you're China or India or any other country that's actually producing goods that, that are being sold in America. Well, would you want our cheapened currency that they just keep printing, 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 and it's like devaluing and it's worth almost nothing and say, hey, America, we'll keep selling you stuff, but we're going to require more of your junk currency for our goods and services. See, this is why we have inflation, because we keep printing money like there's no tomorrow. Now, how do policymakers slow down that inflation train by raising interest rates? So I think the time of low interest rates is over probably for good. Because if you look back over time, 7% is about the average interest rate throughout history. 7%. Now, we just went above that. And I think, though, it's going to continue to go above that. Um, so, but here's here's the dilemma. Um, don't, don't, I know you're looking for a house, but don't get too distraught yet. Interest rates are going to keep going up. But I think what happens is the housing prices are going to come down a lot. Because under Biden's amazing economic plan for America, you've got lowering wages. Well, that's not good for buying a house. You've got rising interest rates. Well, that's not good either. Right. So so therefore, housing prices are going to have to come down in a competitive market to get people to buy your house. Right. So that's that's the nature of the world that we're living in. Now, you add one more element to that mix. Rates have gone up so quickly, right? They've more than doubled over the last 12 months. So imagine if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, something that's not fixed, and it comes due this year or in 2024, right? And what happens? It, you were used to this artificially low interest rate, and now your arm, your adjustable rate mortgage expired and it renews at a rate that's double. That means if you're used to paying $2,000 a month mortgage on your arm, it now goes to 4,000. What? People are just going to have to walk away, right? Then, or they're going to have to default or their house goes into foreclosure. So I think the available inventory of housing is going to be so great. Prices are going to come down. So even though we've got higher interest rates coming, the price of housing is probably going to come down and you actually might be, if you have a job where your wages are going up, right? Um, and you can put down a large down payment, it might be beneficial for you because I think the housing market collapses. I think it comes down a lot. Now, what did, what did the policymakers, um, Jerome Powell at the Fed, Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, what did they say about interest rates? So the last two weeks, they've said, we're going to have higher rates for longer, right? This is their new policy. This is their new rallying cry. So and when people say we're pausing interest rates, this is what mainstream media is, is just kind of shouting from the rooftops. We're pausing interest rates. We've won the war on inflation, right? That's what they want us to think. But that's not the reality. So the reality is they're going to probably have one more rate hike, probably another quarter percent, and then they pause at these higher levels, right? So we're going to have higher interest rates for longer because they haven't won the war on inflation and they know it, which is why they're going to pause interest rates at this high level. So what impact is that going to have on Americans? Well, 
anybody who carries any debt, so I'm glad you got rid of your student loans. That's awesome. Congratulations, right? But anybody who carries debt is going to feel the pinch even more because it's going to be month after month after month after month of these prolonged interest rate hikes in this higher for longer scenario because they haven't won the, the war on inflation. But here's where it, I believe it, it gets worse um, because when you see that kind of activity going on, what causes stocks, bonds, mutual funds to go up when people spend money? Right. It's the stock market's a function of revenue as people spend, you know, at Best Buy or any any company. Right. They're, they're, the revenues of that company goes up, which means their earnings, their profits and ultimately their share price. As when people don't spend money because they don't have it, ultimately their share prices are going to come down. So I think we're going to see um, some prolonged economic malaise, um, which is going to be detrimental to the economy. And here's where I want to connect a little dot moving into the future, right? So come January 1st, I, the, the problem that, that we're going to have is, is coming from the BRICS nations. Um, they met in Durban, South Africa, um, August 22nd through the 24th. And Vladimir Putin made this announcement. He said, we're going to de-dollarize the world and it's irreversible and this is our objective. How are they going to do that? They added six of the nine largest oil producers in the world into the BRICS nations. So if you if this were an agreement that they made between French Guyana and Suriname, right, two, two small little dinky countries, who cares, right? It's not going to impact anybody. But when this agreement is made between the BRICS nations, which is 70% of the world's population, it really matters. That's a really big trading block. And so that 70% of the world's population that's now not going to be using U.S. dollars to purchase oil. So, so now we have no built-in demand because all oil settlements used to be traded in U.S. dollars. It no longer is going to be in the BRICS nations. They're going to use their own currencies. So what does that mean for us? Because we're Americans, right? And so when we don't have that capital inflow built in demand for our currency, but we still have entitlements, still have Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, women, infant, children programs, infrastructure, the defense, we have all this stuff that we need to fund and we don't have any money coming in. They're going to be forced to print like there's no tomorrow, which is going to cause more inflation which is going to cause higher interest rates, right? So this is the story that mainstream media is not telling anybody. I think it becomes ugly next year. And as the economy slows down and people stop spending, that means in sales tax revenues come down. When they stop spending, companies aren't going to hire. That means income tax revenues come down. And if they're not working, they can't afford houses and and larger houses, right? And so property tax revenues come down. See, the the cycle that we're going through, government revenues are going to be strapped. So they're going to be forced to print their way out of it for everything from debt ceiling increases to everything else that they're going to have to do, right? But one of the biggest, Brianna, um, economic indicators that I see, which isn't really a leading economic indicator at all. It's just just kind of something that, uh, that I watch but it's a very good one. 
And that's the sale of cardboard boxes. <laughs> okay, what a stupid thing to want. Right? <laughs> so, so imagine during the holiday season from Black Friday until Christmas, that's where 80% of all annual revenues are made for retailers in America. 80% of their entire annual revenue is made during that month. That So, so companies like Amazon that ship everything to everybody on seven days a week, right? You would think they would be buying cardboard boxes like there's no tomorrow to, to ramp up for this holiday season or Best Buy or Walmart or you know, what, what your parents love to go do Costco, right? It's like, where's boxes? There, there's no, the, the, the demand for boxes has come down by, by 79% in the last month and a half, 79%. They're not expecting to sell anything over the holiday season. So now what's going to happen in January, if they don't have a good holiday season for sales, these companies are going to lay people off come January. What happens then? Sadly, it's an election year. And when there's crisis and problem, people willingly give up their freedoms in exchange for peace, in exchange for comfort, in exchange for anybody who promises to give them something with other people's money, they'll give away their freedoms. And so this is where I think 2024 is going to be kind of a knockdown drag out year economically and in not a good way. You've got the BRICS nations rising up, the loss of the petrodollar, the loss of our reserve currency. I think we go into a pretty pronounced and deep recession, but not a normal recession, an inflationary recession where people aren't working, but prices go up. It's like, man, that's what we had during the Carter years, right? And, and, and Reagan fixed it by jacking up interest rates to 18% in 1983, Imagine you looking for a house now with 18% interest rates. I wouldn't but, be looking. <laughs> I wouldn't be looking, but that's, what, that's how they slowed down inflation in the early 80s. And so it worked because inflation was 14.3%. The only way you slow down inflation with interest rates higher than the inflation rate. So this is where we're headed, right? So yeah. I would encourage you and everybody watching is if you're looking to buy a house right now, I'd probably wait because I think the prices are going to come down. I know it's the last thing you want to hear. It's like you're looking, you're itching to get a house, right? But but I think the price has probably come down a lot and it'll ultimately be to your benefit. You know, a little word of, of wisdom for everybody is if you're looking to buy a house, save up, save up, save up, you know, get as much as you can towards a down payment and then buy the house when, when the prices come down. And I think they come down a lot. Because it's just math. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to be a prophet of gloom and doom. It's just it's just math. It's like when when people's wages are coming down and the cost of borrowing goes up, well, they're not going to be able to afford as much. The prices have to come down. So I think this is where we're headed going into 2024. Yeah. Dr. Elliott, how long do you think that's going to take? What's their kind of timeline when we start seeing an impact in the housing market? Um, if they raise rates another quarter of a point, which they're going to on the next Fed meeting, that's that's a speculation. That might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, now, they're going to keep stimulating things and trying to, to massage it over. But on every policy like that, it's generally about a 90-day window You know, after the fact until you see the impacts of that policy. But we're living in such a weird world right now that 
that they paused interest rates on the last Fed you know, meeting last month. They, they paused them. It's like, we're not raising rates. But what happened at Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, right? The, the mortgage lenders of the world, their rates didn't pause. They kept going up, as, as you've seen, looking for a house, right? So this is why interest rates right now are 8%. So the reason that happens is you've got private money. These banks are lending out their money to you, for example, to buy a house. Well, they don't care if, if the Fed paused interest rates. They, they care about, hey, this, this Brianna girl, it's like, hmm, I wonder if she's going to have a job 30 years from now. I wonder what inflation is going to be 30 years from now. I wonder what her wages are going to do 30 years from now. I wonder what the housing market's going to do 30 years from now. This is what the economists at mortgage banks are talking about. And so therefore, they think propensity with this economy for this Brianna girl to actually pay us back, it's probably pretty slim. So we're going to keep raising our interest rates. We want a reward for the risk that we're taking. So even after the Fed paused rate hikes, the secondary market keeps raising them. This is the problem that the Fed isn't talking about. But I know I'm in a world where there's no guarantees, this is my guarantee. They're really scared about it because they see it. They see that private sector money interest rates keep going up, even though that they paused. This is the creature that they created that they can't kill, right, um, yeah. is, is the, the bad economy. So one other kind of weird thing that's happened um, that hardly ever happens is, and, and we'll apply this to the housing scenario that you're going through, if you're looking to get a mortgage, the interest rates on a 30-year mortgage are always higher than on a 15-year mortgage, right? Because there's a lot of unknown risk. There's a lot of extra years in there where they don't know what's going to happen to you or the markets or anything else. So, so generally speaking, like almost all of the time, lower interest rates come with lower duration, low, lower timeframe loans and, and higher interest rates with long duration loans because of that element of the unknown on that long time horizon. Well, today... That, that yield curve is what it's called is inverted, where interest rates on short-term loans are higher than on long-term ones. What does that mean? That means almost to 100% degree of certainty um, that they expect something really bad to happen in the short term. Like recession is right under our nose because they see, boy, something's gonna happen immediately. We gotta jack up interest rates right now. And then over the next 20, 30 years, it's bound to get better. So we can have lower interest rates down the road for longer term because whatever we're facing right now, they're going to fix it. So this inverted yield curve, which is what we have right now, is almost a for sure indicator that we're seeing recession. So we've talked about a lot of bad junk on this episode, sadly. <laughs> I mean, it's just bad. <laughs> and and, and I don't good want... News. <laughs> it, it's not good news. And I don't want people, though, to watch Brianna and Kirk and say... I, boy, I got to put my head in the sand. I'm so scared. It's hopeless. It's not hopeless. There's mm -hmm. always things that you can do. And we, we tell you these stories. Brianna and I are telling you these stories so you understand the nature of the world that we're living in so you can act accordingly. See, every one of those fundamentals that we went over cause chaos, uncertainty, turbulence, turmoil, change. Those elements cause gold and silver to go up. So they might cause stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate to come down but they cause gold and silver to go up. So when we 
start reallocating and repositioning our own assets to take advantage of these trends rather than the trends taking advantage of us, truly we can have a smile on our face, right? And be in the right place at the right time um, the majority of the time. Because one of the keys to wealth and wealth accumulation is A, being in the right place at the right time. B, it's don't overpay for anything that you ever have. Um, and C, don't be emotionally attached to your investment. You sell it at the right time. This is where we can help people navigate through this crisis to at least personally not have it be a crisis, yeah. right? Because that's an individual decision. For for every choice that we make, there's a consequence, either good or bad. And we can't change the politics, really. I mean, it takes a large collective voice to get politicians to listen if they do. But, but that takes a lot of people acting in concert, being loud about it, and hopefully they, they hear it and make a change. Your finances doesn't take a loud collective voice. It takes you. It could be a silent voice just telling yourself, okay, act. Brianna, just do this, right? And so so I would encourage everybody, take that leap of faith, start repositioning out of whatever you're in into tangible assets that take advantage of these situations rather than those situations taking advantage of us. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, I remember, um, I think it was last week, just seeing gold spike. I think we went up $160 once the Israel conflict or war began. Um, so I know a lot of people are shifting that way. Uh, let's talk about some solutions. It's obviously more positive and it's always yeah. going to come with a plan. So you're you're my go-to guy when I want a plan. So Dr. Mm -hmm. Kirk Elliott, can you give us uh, the best solution possible right now? What would you advise everyone to start doing? So... Tangible assets, for sure. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. In, in a world of inflation, things go up in price. What's, what are things? Cereal, groceries, cars, oil, gas at the pumps, um, cars, gold, silver. They're all things. They'll all go up during times of inflation. So when you're talking about investing, I would actually allocate into the precious metals complex, either silver or gold, but I would choose silver. Silver's, you know, manufacturing metal. They're running out of supply. When you have low supply, high demand, supply chain disruptions, which we've had since COVID, um, it's it's poised to outperform gold. I would allocate into silver. Now, more specific on that is you can take delivery of it at home. You can store it at a depository, or you can actually hold it in an IRA. Now, I'm I'm not talking about paper versions, no ETFs, no mining shares, no mutual funds, actually physical metals, um, coins, bars, right? So take delivery of them or store them in your IRA. That's the solution. See, the, here's one of the problems that that Americans have um, overall. When we talk to hundreds of people a day in our office and 99% of them that call in are actually paralyzed and gripped with fear when they call. By the end of the call, they're not. But why are they gripped and paralyzed with fear? It's because they're focused on the problem and not the solution. See, well, if you focus on the solution, that'll put a smile on your face. If you focus on the problem and on the storm, it's like, well, I wouldn't be smiling either. I mean, you, I would. It's yeah. just gets too negative. It gets too dark. You feel hopeless. But so I encourage you stop focusing on the storm when there is a solution and we can help you get to that point of peace. And, yeah. and prosperity in your finances. Yeah, 
Yeah, which is super important. And and you offer a great service, right? And I know because I've 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 called in and I'm I'm scheduled also as well to to have another call with you guys. I'm looking forward to that. But you offer a great service right now. Um, people could go to kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. They could scroll down a little bit. There's like a little information form that they could fill out. They could send you their contact information. Somebody will call them back, schedule an appointment, and you could just casually go through all of these 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 issues. Any type of kind of advice you might need right now, they could go over it with, with you and your and your team. And um, the peace of mind to it is incredible, and I highly recommend everyone doing so. Um, so again, that's uh, kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna, or you could call 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. I mean, listen, we started off a little gloomy, but now we've got solutions and I know our audience loves that. And so we, we thank you for giving us some solutions and um, maybe maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll be a homeowner. Who knows? Sounds good. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Kirk Elliott. We appreciate your time as always and look forward to having you back soon. And we want to thank you for watching today's show. Thank you so much for your support. And most importantly, thank you to one of our greatest supporters, Patriot Mobile. Let me tell you a little bit about them real quick. Patriot Mobile uses uh, AT&T, Verizon Towers, and they provide you with great service. I just switched recently as well, my business line to Patriot Mobile. You by switching to Patriot Mobile, you're getting affordable service and you are not like stepping down in service at all. You are literally using the same towers that you're using right now. You're just paying a lot less and you're working with a company that doesn't hate you. Yeah, this company supports conservative uh, values and they even help donate uh, money to pro-life groups, uh, Second Amendment groups and so much more. So if you want to support a phone company that doesn't hate you, I recommend you do. Go over to PatriotMobile.com right now and for... You know, a limited time right now, if you use my name, Brianna, as the promo code, they'll actually waive the activation fee. So it really doesn't get any better than this. You're going to pay less from your monthly bill, and you're going to support a great conservative company. So again, head over to patriotmobile.com and use promo code Brianna, that's Brianna with an E, and uh, make sure you join. It's a really great company. Thank you for watching. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We are here to defend democracy. The misinformation poses a threat to our nation's health. Climate change is immersed. Democratic socialism. Codified. Women's right to choose. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. Or call 878-PATRIOT.